HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, on the Heritage Radio Network, every Tuesday from roughly 12 to, uh, I don't know, like 1245. Uh, well, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez is uh, later than me today, which is unusual. Unusual. She's on the L train. Uh, I'm sure you guys all know the fabulous website is the L train effed, but, you know, spelled out, right? And apparently if you go on that right now, it would probably say... They spell it L-A-T-E train. Really? They spell it out. Uh, yeah, L. I think it's just is the L train, you know, not French Connection UK, but <laughs> <laughs> properly uh, spelled. Anyways, but while we're waiting for Nastasha, we have a new person in the engineering booth today. Liz, right? Yes. Hello. Hi. Hello. How you doing? How you enjoying the uh, engineering stuff while Jack's away? Oh, you know what they say, well, the, well, the cat's away, the mice will play, right? Uh, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess. And uh, um, before we get too into it, we have two special guests with us today. We might actually, a third person might be coming. Uh, we got Don Lee, the fabulous Don Lee of, uh, what's the new bar called? Uh, Boilermaker. Boilermaker. But you don't drop the shot glasses into the, you don't actually drop the Boilermaker shot glass into the into the pint glass. You can if you want. There's no right or wrong way to do it. You can just, you know, beer and a shot next to each other. You can pour it in. You can drop the shot. But do you, you don't encourage this, though. I, you know, we encourage fun. So do if you're you, having fun, do what you want. Do you leave enough volume in the pint glass to do a to drop a proper, no, or do you have to take a sip first? you got to take a sip first. We don't want to stiff you if you want to, you know, a good beer. Mm-hmm. So you're doing British-style pours. It has to be exactly on the freaking uh, line. Not an exact line, but, you know, it should be to the top. British people. You know, hey, like, don't get me started. I love you. I love you, Brits. But you and your obsession over your pour lines in your beers is a little bananas because, like, the, the, the price. And we're also joined, by the way, Paul Adams, the uh, head honcho of uh, uh, Popular Science's uh, web presence. Is that true? Was that your title, head honcho? Senior editor. Is that the same thing? I prefer honcho. Okay, yeah, head honcho. Senior and, uh, honcho. And, and, and uh, 
stinky fish enthusiast. Yes. Yes, which we're going to get to the in a minute. The the better. Because it's, 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 it's Stinky Fish Tuesday on Cooking Issues. As you might know, uh, we are actually going to get to my backlog of questions. We're going to record a special ketchup show. And maybe I can even uh, do a ketchup tasting for that. for Because Nast- you know, Nastasha, who for years had said that the brand of ketchup that you use doesn't matter. Until, really? yeah, until recently she went away and someone gave her some off-brand ketchup. And she's like, oh, I thought it didn't matter because I had just been... Eating, you know, eating Heinz this whole time, so we could do a, a comparative ketchup tasting. Maybe some fancy ketchups and some crappier supermarket ketchups. But I mean, it's kind of like everything's rated against Heinz, wouldn't you say? Right. But are you going to do the Steingarten, you know, McDonald's French fries, the medium, or what are you going to? What are you going to uh, use? Okay. On look, I love Jeffrey. In fact, I saw him recently for the first time in a long time. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Jeffrey is like, in you know, for me, one of the most influential food writers ever. He, you know, but although, like, you know what? I can never get the name of his book right because I confuse his book name with. I said this in the air before with uh, Oliver Sacks' book name, so it's like the man who who ate his wife with everything or something. He mistook his wife for something to eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly, something like this. But it's actually the man who ate everything uh, is his first book, um, and it's just you know I think it's one of the it's like of its style like the seminal book. Anyway, amazing. Uh, amazing book. Anyways, uh, he's dead wrong. McDonald's French fries suck. In fact, that uh, that style of French fry sucks. It's like right in between, like a shoestring fry uh, cooked to the point where it's basically a potato chip. I mean, I can kind of appreciate this. Um, uh, even a soggy, crappy, thinner fry. But the fries that taste good for 13.5 seconds when they come out of the fryer and then turn to like a hollow pieces of cardboard, which is kind of like how fr- McDonald's French fries work, they suck. Right. I hate them. So what would be your uh, medium for testing different kinds of ketchup, then? Well, uh, okay, look. But what do you think about McDonald's fries? Eh, I mean, McDonald's fries are McDonald's fries. If you're on a road trip, you know, it's, a, it's something you can, you know, count on. I mean, look, I can get... First of all, on a road trip, they get cold so fast because you're driving, and you can't just, like, pound them. You have to sit there and, like, the person in the passenger seat is holding the fries over, and you're missing, and you're dipping. I, I would say you have to taste them straight and then taste them on... Uh, Hmm. I don't know. Nastasha, what is the... You're looking well today. I'm going to go see Fleetwood Mac. Oh, she's dressed up to see Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Nastasha, one of the largest Fleetwood Mac fans, hates Stevie Nicks. I don't hate it. I prefer the other one. Can you make more crinkly noises as you pass the mic, please? Because It's your dry ice. Yeah. yeah we're doing an event at, for the low line tomorrow, and I, we need dry ice. There's a low line now? Well, yes. Uh, it's uh, some abandoned like tunnel area in the Lower East Side, and they're uh, having a, uh, a fundraiser tomorrow. And we're one of the drink makers for it. And so I'm going to do um, our, our version. Don has his own version of the uh, uh, Harvey Wallbanger. We're going to do our frozen version, the Italiano Stelliano. Uh, name tip of the hat to Piper. That was one of his uh, final puns for us before he moved on to, uh, you know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we were about to eat some stinky fish, and I got sidetracked. Uh, we have a caller on the air, and we were talking about boilermakers. Why don't I take the caller first? He's not sitting there the whole time. Caller, are you still there? Yes. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. What's your, what is your question? Um, okay, so I actually have asked this already on American Test Kitchen Radio, but um, Chris and Bridget were not able to question. Um, so I'm hoping you can help out. Well, hold, on, hold on, you're cutting in and out a little bit. Try to try to rearrange your head in relation to the phone and, and uh, start again. I couldn't hear that last sentence. Um, I've actually already asked uh, Chris and Bridget of America's Test Kitchen about this question, and they actually weren't able to answer it, so I'm hoping you could help me out. Ooh, well, we got we got four heads here, plus plus Liz, a separate head in the engineering room. So maybe we got maybe we got your answer here. 
All right. Um, so um, about two years ago, I was in a lab um, for biology, and uh, one of the experiments is where we took salivary amylase and um, tested its effect on a dish of agar jelly. And the idea is that the enzyme can actually break down the starch into sugars. And um, I was wondering if you can have that same effect with, like, an egg yolk on fruit, because I know egg yolks contain amylase. So I'm wondering, can you buy, like, a really crappy piece of supermarket fruit that's totally unripe and put the egg yolk on it and have it, like, magically ripen um, artificially? My understanding of it is that while there are some enzymes in uh, egg yolk, and I guess those are the ones that make custards uh, turn to crap if you don't cook them through enough, right? Um, It's my memory. It's been a long time. Yeah, that they're relatively uh, low in activity compared to um, compared to to commercial preparations, or for instance, saliva, um, which is better off spitting on it. Better off spitting on it. Uh, aside from the fact that you'd have uh, egg yolk on it. But the the more interesting thing that you bring up is that <clears throat> ripeness isn't just a function of uh, sugar. So ripeness is oftentimes a, uh, an increase in sugar, but concomitant with lots of other changes. For instance, sometimes a reduction in acid, sometimes acid is stable. It depends. Like apples, the acid in apples will slowly decrease over time as it ripens. Um, they're all, you know, the, the creation of, uh, volatiles, especially kind of like higher, uh, flowery and estuary notes, things like this are created during the ripening, pr- uh, process. So it's not all starch to sugar conversion. However, liquor companies make a very good business out of taking things like potatoes and converting the starch in them into sugar without having to go through any, consu- you know, time consuming step like fermentation. So they just dump amylases into it. So remember, uh, amylase is not a single type of enzyme. There's alpha uh, amylases and there's beta amylases and there's different ones that are uh, meant to operate at various different um, uh, points. But if you have, like, for instance, a puree of unripe uh, product, I would recommend add, and you, you just wanted to sugar it up. Let's say you're doing like potatoes or something, right? <clears throat> if you have a lot of pectin, I would I would add a pectin uh, pectinase enzyme to thin it out so that your other enzymes can work more effectively. And then uh, usually they do a two-step process, two different enzymes when they're doing conversions for thing or more, like shotgun enzyme approaches, I call them, <clears throat> when they're doing things like fermentation for potatoes. I forget the names of the enzymes that they use, but uh, uh, Novozymes makes a bunch of them. Guzmer is the place. But I don't think any – I've tried using just straight amylase from a brew shop, and I think mm-hmm. they're, they're – I was very underwhelmed, very uh. underwhelmed by it. Um, also remember that uh, for your amylases to work properly, they have to have access to the starch in the in granules. So unless you, like, let's say you take an underripe apple. So when you taste an underripe apple, one of the characteristic notes of an underripe apple is a starchy flavor, and you can see almost feel it when you cut it with a knife. It goes shunk and it cleaves because it's starchy. The only starch is really if you lick that apple instead of eating it, you can actually get that kind of starchy taste from it, and uh, the, um, the that starch can be is available to be converted by uh, an amylase. Uh, however, the starch uh, intact starch is typically not, so you'd need to functionalize the starch, aka cook it, and which is what they do when they're doing uh, when they're mashing out or something like this. Usually, you'll 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 bring the wort up so that you can hydrate the starch, and then, then it's more available. It, it, back me up on this, Don. Paul. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so I would recommend you got to do all those. But chewing and spitting out is a time-honored way of increasing the sugar content of uh, starchy products. Although it's it, uh, people find it gross. But if you're doing it for yourself, <laughs> okay. or if you're willing to, I don't really want to spit on my fruit, so I don't think I'm going to do that. We're not going to spit on it. You're just going to chew it and spit it out. 
and then ferment okay. it. But even if you just keep it in your mouth, you keep chewing it, you'll feel it change over time in, on your tongue. I really, I've never done it. Like yeah. to a potato? Right. Uh, I've definitely done it with rice. So like even just like the, the plainest of white rices, if you just you know keep it in your mouth, keep chewing on it, wait like you know 30 seconds to a minute, it'll become sweeter. Hey, Stas, you ever seen me chew something for a full minute, Stas? No. I like full like millisecond more like. I'm like, I'm like, I almost, I almost got kicked out of a Michelin starred restaurant in, in Spain because the guys couldn't come to the table fast enough to explain what the hell they were doing. It was already gone. And like the actual, the chef came out and was angry with me. I'm like, well, you know, just don't talk so goddamn much. So, excuse me, don't talk so much, family show, uh, and let me have my food and eat it, right? Or, or serve everyone else and then wait. Or, like, put a cloche over mine or something, you know? Something. Because I eat very quickly. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm um, a wolf. Hey, real quick, I know this is your ketchup show, but if you have time, I've got two more quick questions to ask. All right, go, go quick while Don is setting up our fish products. Okay. Um, so I've got two uh, all-clad Teflon pans, and the finish has been totally ruined on them from, like, use and abuse and scratching them on accident and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I don't want to ditch two really nice pans. Um, I feel like the metal underneath is fine, so... Um, I actually have access to a lot of, like, stainless working equipment, like polishing and stuff. Right. Is there any way to the Teflon finish off the pan and functionalize the pan into a standard uh, stainless non uh, regular sticking pan, like normal? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, yeah, usually it's Teflon over uh, aluminum, though. You're sure it's uh, the, the undersurface of it is stainless right below the Teflon? Usually uh, it's, it's, it's like it's, the old school, like, D3 pan, so I think it's a sandwich of stainless aluminum stainless. That's a good point. I didn't think about the fact that it might just be aluminum and then Teflon. Yeah, but uh, Teflon, uh, as abrasion-resistant uh, as it is, uh, is no match for a, uh, a, a, a very quickly spinning wire brush attached to a four-and-a-half-inch angle grinder. But uh-huh. uh, you know, then you're going to have to polish and and buff out, and you want to make sure you get all the uh, Teflon particles off because uh, it's going to be more apt to uh, you keeping those things straight, Don. Yeah, which yeah, ones? Yeah. Which? Yeah. 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 You're more apt to uh, you know have uh, you know little Teflon particles, and people are more and more worried about like burned little Teflon particles every every five minutes. I see, I hear more people upset about uh, P, what PFO what is it PFOAs? I didn't remember, yeah. perfluorinated. Something or others. Anyway, okay. What's something. your What's your next one? Um, what is the deal on the Sears all? How can I get one? Are you going to offer them for sale on Amazon? We are. There's not that many left. In fact, I'm glad you asked. This will be the update uh, for the Sears all for right now. Uh, <clears throat> the international ones are, are going sh- out tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They're shipping tomorrow, and all we're doing is waiting on the uh, the handoff from our mm-hmm. importer into Amazon, and then they'll ship out. So it literally. In order to give something to Amazon, you need to have an appointment, uh, believe it or not. <clears throat> and so they're making that appointment. We hope it happens this week. As soon as I get confirmation that everyone from ShopStarter and Kickstarter has been uh, had their product sent to them, I will then mail the residual Searsalls, of which there are going to be how many styles? Like 300? 350 probably. 300. Uh, I'll mail, mail them to Amazon, and they'll just go up on Amazon Prime ready, ready to, to go. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. Okay. Um, if I miss out, I'm probably going to have to, like, hack my own or something out of a Boston Shaker or whatever. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, obviously, I can't recommend infringing uh, our patent or uh, doing things that are unsafe. But, you know, but it is a fun project. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Fair enough. All righty. Thanks so much. All right, Don, back to you for a second with the Boilermaker. Yes, sir. Uh, I forget. We were, we were talking about Boilermakers and, 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 and the drop. And the drop. 
and then sip. Oh, and the freaking, yeah, the British with their pours. Here's the thing. The price is arbitrary, so why does the pour have to be exact? Same with the Germans, with the little wine glass with the lion etching in it. You ever seen those? Well, so, you know, historically there's the fact that it was uh, something that was mandated so that you so that it was trying to protect the customer. So the government would say that you have to have this line so people know that this is what it is. And in, in, in England, they take the weights and measures very, uh, very seriously. So even jiggers, if you're producing a 25, 50 milliliter jigger, you can't, first of all, you can't make a uh, 30, 60. It has to be 25, 50 because that's what is recognized by the weights and measures. And then it has to be certified by them. So they're, they just are obsessive about uh, making sure that everything is right for the, for the folks. And then after that, it's really just perception. At this point, people have an expectation of what it's going to be. And if you, you know, it's like even if you order a cocktail today, if you go to like a hotel and they give you an absurdly large uh, V-stem glass and they give you a martini to the top, like no one wants to drink that all the way to the bottom. It'll be warm by the time it's the bottom. But if you give them the, the right amount of drink, you know, that, uh, in, in a large glass, people feel like they're, that they've been gypped. I'm so. familiar with this problem. That's why you use a smaller glass. Exactly. But the fact of the matter is it's all, it's all perception and not actual kind of mandates and these weird... There's another caller. All right. Uh, okay. This, okay. After this, we got to we got to eat some we got to eat some fish. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, Dave. Good afternoon. I really uh, enjoy the show, and also I'm really looking forward to uh, your book coming out. Give me a copy of that. Yeah, thanks. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Very soon. Yeah. Terrific. Uh, I had a couple of recipe questions. I hope uh, you could help me with. Um, I've heard you talk about um, making onion ice cream. Sure. Um, and I was wondering um, how you did that. Uh, do, you, do you caramelize onions? Do you pressure cook them, or how, how do you how do you do that? Well, um, you could. I guess we we never caramelize them first. You could caramelize them first, I guess, or afterwards. Uh, but we we pressure cook them in milk, and then blend it for like twenty minutes, uh, and then uh, blend, and then use strain, and then use that as the uh, milk base with the with the cream. So, um, and it, that works. If you want more of a, frankly, I would actually just, if you wanted to get more of a brown note, I would just add brown sugar rather than caramelized because the only issue you might have is that you might develop some stable, usually when I pressure cook, I pressure cooked uncooked onions and I don't know whether you'll develop some more stable sulfury stuff if you pre-saute and kind of set the flavor of the onion before you pressure cook it. <clears throat> usually I slice it into rings very quickly, throw it in milk and pressure cook it right away so I don't let it sit around all the time and develop that kind of stale onion flavor or any any of that kind of any of that kind of jazz uh but yeah it's a legit it's a legit ice cream i mean it's on the savory side but it's legitimately an ice cream have you guys have you guys ever been to the demos when we've done that uh, no, i've never tried your version of it but have you ever tried it with the the maui onions i've heard they're like much sweeter to begin with really i, mean, I still gotta pressure cook those suckers no stas you've had the onion ice cream right yeah. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then Nastasia likes it, you know that it has to be a legit product because she, there's nothing. Booker and Nastasia are the two people that love to hate the stuff that I do the most. And that's kind of why I like keeping them around. I mean, Booker because he's my son, but Nastasia because, you know, she's you a good. Have to. Yeah. She's it's a good, vital yeah. role. Yeah. What? It's a vital role. It is a vital role. The hater. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> we got to write a, is there a song called The Hater? There's a Joker. Can we do a new version called The Hater and You're the Star? Sure. Sweet. Uh, all right. All cool. Right. All right. Well, thanks. All right. So. On to fish. Hey, yeah, oh, and, yeah. And then, um, if you don't mind, I was also trying to um, make your um, first aid cocktail at home. Will that work with agar clarification? No. I mean, look, you can clarify with agar, but uh, I found that uh, drinks that are traditionally meant to be uh, kind of Justinos 
are really thin when they're agar, especially because remember you have to add water when you're doing an agar-based thing anyway, and so it just it never be, uh, becomes kind of uh, awesome. Here's what I recommend you do because first date lasts forever. So here's what you should do: you should get the dates. You should get whichever spirit you're going to make the first date into because we've made it with various different ones. Blend it uh, a high speed with SPL, and then just put it in a cabinet for like a month. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then rack it off. And, you know, you might not get like 100%, but you're going to get a lot of settling and you're going to get, <clears throat> excuse me, a significant amount of clear stuff on the top of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's what I would recommend. But it takes a while. But it's fine because first date doesn't go bad. Okay. That's the method known as God centrifuge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's oh. true. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate, uh, appreciate your help. All right, cool. Thanks. Hey, Paul, you have these kind of contacts. Can we get into one of those NASA uh, astronaut centrifuges and just hold the bottle of uh, – it's only a couple Gs, though. It's probably not enough to do much. I think they go up to seven Gs. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we're doing a couple thousand Gs, but I wonder whether you could visibly see settling in a bottle of Hustino if you're holding it in your hand. Probably. In, a, in an astronaut centrifuge. Insofar as you can see anything at 7Gs. <laughs> well, because your eyes are peeled back. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, Paul has been on the Vomit Comet. Did you know that? I think we might be on the Vomit Comet in about 20 minutes here when we're eating the hot girl. <laughs> so why don't we talk about the fish that we have first? But we have some non-stinky fish that was mailed to us uh, by a longtime listener, John Riper. Right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, John. So he did he fish he fished these, right? I think he fished these. He yeah, fished these. See. Mm-hmm. All right. So we, uh, where are they from? What river? Do you know? Yeah, I can tell you in a second. All right. So uh, for those of you that I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what your background is because I'm not talking to you. You're you're listening to a podcast. But um, <clears throat> so salmon, right? Uh, there's a bunch of different variables with a salmon. We're not talking about the latter variables like uh, harvesting or any of this other nonsense. But aside from your standard kind of farmed or uh, or uh, wild, right, you have uh, which run they're from and then which species they're from. Both the species obviously affects what species it is, and the waters that come from are going to affect things like uh, fat content based on how cold the waters are, etc., etc. So this blah, is blah. what he said. He has two different wild Pacific salmon. The Lewis and Clark expedition ate a ton of salmon when they ventured out to my corner of the globe. Most of it was dried, and they came to hate it. But Meriwether Lewis later wrote that the fresh king salmon he ate here was the finest fish he ever tasted. I wouldn't argue with that, although some people think coho salmon is just as good as Chinook. I'm sending you some of both so you can compare for yourself. But I'm not sending them as fresh fish. I've smoked them instead. But they're not the hard, dried chunks that commercially smoked salmon tend to be. They are dry, cured, and cherry wood smoked. But both the curing and smoking are a lot lighter than you typically find. So these fillets are still perishable, but they are a lot less delicate than well fish. Well, I'm not going to say I'm anti-coho, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't fly around in uh, coho helicopters, right? Like, it's Chinook is the freaking helicopter. That's true. I saw two Chinook helicopters out my window in Manhattan yesterday. Yeah? I don't know why there were military troop transport helicopters yeah, in Chelsea. I saw one, too. Is, yeah. it fle- is it Fleet Week? No. That, well, you know, they're That's awesome helicopters. Oh, <laughs> damn. Strength. Strength, Paul. Strength. This is why, you know, Paul just can't be beat. All right. So let's taste this before we get to our, our crazy our craziness. So, okay, which one's which? So the one on the right is the, the coho. And the well, let's all taste this. Why, why are you sitting here not eating? Excuse me, you guys are making me angry. Um, I think salmon's a delicious product. Do you like salmon? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you literally eating bubble gum right before you taste the salmon? No. Which is no. Do, yes. Do a quick uh, shot of Brennavin. Uh, oh, is it? Why don't you just why don't you describe what we're going to be uh, drinking here? 
Uh, we have some uh, Icelandic schnapps here. It's uh, it's like Aquavit from Iceland. Uh, Paul was uh, kind enough to uh, hook us up with the, 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 the U.S. importer of uh, Brennabin. Who contacted me on Twitter when he heard we were going to be eating fermented shark today. And by the way, by the way, John, who's a stickler for details, which I appreciate, <clears throat> took pictures of the actual fish they came from and took both um, fillet pieces from the same section of fish and labeled them with marks. Yeah. Which is strong. That's fantastic. That's fantastic, right? Uh, this is also a really delicious fish. I think yeah. I prefer the one on the left, but I'm a, f- I'm a fattier dude. Like, what do you, what do you do? What do you do? What do you prefer? Which one's the one on the left? I wasn't paying attention. The left was the the Chinook. Well, there you go. It's called it's called the King for a reason, people. I think the other one's also delicious. Yeah. But it's a different product. I mean, like, <clears throat> you know, I've come to expect delicious kind of I mean, I've come to expect like fatty being positive whereas now a lot of people like the leaner uh, salmons because um, they still haven't gotten over this uh, stupid hatred of fat let's save that for another show okay so what uh, so we're drinking uh, uh, what's the how do you say skull in uh, in uh, do they have a special pronunciation of skull there Don went to I Iceland have no idea <laughs> so the, the, we're gonna go Scandinavian style you know uh, old Iceland, Icelandic the most uh, conservative Norse language and therefore uh, people in Iceland can actually read the uh, sagas because it's the closest language to old Norse and so uh, respecting that I will not clink glasses we will just look at each other and skull properly skull Oh, that's good. That's good. They don't Very wussy good. out. They don't wussy out on the uh, on the caraway flavor. Caraway forward. Yeah, which I appreciate. I don't like sissy sissy akavits with no. Uh, Speaking of sissies, what are glass levels? Oh, I know the, the the bartender and the man of experimental eating prowess are the ones who haven't pounded their. Uh... <laughs> All right, <clears throat> now Don. Don just came back from Iceland. And was not involved in any sort of eruption. Why don't you tell us what you brought back? Uh, brought back some uh, fermented shark. Uh, well, so you and I, Dave, we went on a trip to Sweden together, and you uh, made the poor decision to try to bring back uh, sastrami in your luggage. Managed and, to bring it back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. sastrami, you want to explain what sastrami is? Sastrami is, is a intentionally miscanned is it herring, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the uh, you know how you're not supposed to eat a bulging can if you buy canned uh, fruit? It's, it's, it's a bulging can of uh, fish that's gone bad. And uh, it was quite horrendous. Paul joined us for tasting that. And I figured, you know, I'm at another uh, Scandinavian place with something that's supposedly terrible. I figured I should share the, the terrible with you. So uh, for, for those of you, uh, we talked about it on the air, and Paul uh, blogged it, right, for Popular Science? I did. There's a video of Dave and McGee enjoying it. Yeah, so it was, uh, for those of you that, uh, I don't know, just were born today and don't know Harold McGee, uh, Harold McGee had possibly the greatest quote of all time as we were eating the surstroming. So surstroming, what they do is, is they, they don't add enough salt to it, so it ferments in the can. And for some reason, it always ferments in a way that doesn't pr- uh, produce any sort of uh, botulism, but it does make some for some stinky stuff. And when you open it on a day when you see nothing, instantly everything's coated in flies. Everything's coated in flies, like your face, the surstrom, everything coated in flies, and the smell radiates out from, you know far and wide. And McGee, uh, who had had it maybe two or three times prior, was like... This one is missing uh, the vomit note. I miss the vomit note. And I was like, wow, Harold, that's strong. Strength. Strength. Uh, remember that? Mm-hmm. That was crazy. And then Paul Paul was the only guy standing next to McGee and just like pounding chunk after chunk. Like I had like three or four because I wanted to see if I could acquire a taste over this like, you know, small amount of time. But Paul 
I don't even remember this, Stas. Yeah, took a cab. Took a cab, cab home cab. with but it. But then what happened, Paul? The window wouldn't go down. <laughs> I took a cab home with the leftover Sir Stromling because we couldn't finish the can. And I was in a cab with where the windows wouldn't open. And what did the, the cabbie, cabbie say? He didn't say anything, but... <laughs> He looked very unhappy. Oh, I love that the cabbie had seen so much worse that he doesn't mention surstroming in the cab. Anyway, totally illegal to bring back. Is this stuff also illegal to bring back? Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, it's sold everywhere. I saw some vacuum packs, some, uh, but they're all kind of frozen. Uh, there were no warnings in the airport, like uh, in Sweden, where it said specifically not to put this in your in your luggage. Right. All right. Well, okay. So, so hackerel, as it's called, uh, Icelandic delicacy. Turns out that they have a boatload of these Greenland sharks off the coast of their waters. Right. Right. And they catch them from time to time, but the level of trimethylamine, I believe, I, I, I wasn't able to look up my scholarly stuff today, but TMA, I think it's TMA, trimethylamine, yeah. I don't think it's straight ammonia, is so high that the uh, flesh is actually toxic to eat. Yes. And uh, so, you get what's called shark sick. Always oh, fresh Greenland shark flesh. Oh, I like that. Uh, you know, but there's also a lot of squids that are high in, in, well, I guess that's more iodine, huh? Anyway, but like dogs apparently don't aren't offended by the smell and they can get uh, some sort of like uh, TMA narcosis from eating too much of this. Yes. I've read. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. Humans can't well, get... Well, I believe they also have Brennabin with it. Uh, yeah, the dogs? Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is like we're so repulsed by the smell that we can't eat enough of it to actually have it be toxic. That's one of the few things that's, you know, kind of like that, uh, you know, where... But we're going to try. But we're going to try. Well, no, but so then they, what they do is they, they uh, bury it. They just bury the, bury the sucker in the ground, and some poor schmuck, you know, I, I love how people figure things out. This is why people are so resourceful, or dumb, or both, a combination of resource dumb. Yeah. So they bury the shark for however long. It freezes and thaws because, you know, because it does. They, they pull it out of the ground, and someone's like, this stinks, but differently than before. Yes. I'm going to eat this thing. Well, and then they actually hang it up for a couple more weeks to well, dry it out. Yeah, they got to dry it out. Yeah. They got, well, the guy like probably tasted a piece, didn't die. He's like, well, I'm going to hang it up for later and see, see what happens. This is how all this kind of crap happens. You know what I'm saying? Because you're starving and it's either eat your, eat your dead brother or <laughs> eat this rotting shark. And you go for the rotting shark first and the brother's kind of like a second call. I mean, that's usually how this thing works, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, the line uh, between fermented and rotten is sort of a hazy one. It's a matter of opinion. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like in a, a fine epoise, and uh, they're you know, <clears throat> you know, it, we've kind of lost it. But like when you travel to other places and you see cultures that still have a complete continuum from fresh to fermented in everything they eat, including grains and and uh, you know main starches and stuff. We very rarely eat, you know. Anyway, whatever. Uh, it, so. Uh, it's uh, hung up to dry. They smoke it as well. They smoke it, right? Isn't there a fire I, I, in there? I don't think there's a smoking. Just a just a dry hanger from from at least what Wikipedia tells me. So the guy didn't use his uh, his brother to smoke the fish instead of eating the brother. Use it as a as a as smoking fuel. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, there aren't very many trees in Iceland. So apparently, the the primarily uh, they use um, sheep dung. So there is in fact a sheep dung mm. beer that you can get in Iceland. How was it? Uh, it was uh, smoky. Uh, Don Lee, if you uh, ever visit Don Lee as a very, very, sp- you have to be a very special guest. But if you visit him at the Cocktail Kingdom, he will serve you uh, uh, horse pizzle, uh, horse pizzle booze. Yeah, that was a uh, courtesy of uh, Tin Ho, who brought it back from Vietnam for me. Sweet, and, well, the label was amazing. Yeah, it was a uh, we will we we've been conquering awards for the past twenty years, and we will continue to conquer more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I mean, twenty four hour hotline. If you have any questions, yeah, I mean, horse, you know, horse is uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a well endowed creature. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't. What's that called? What's that thing called? It's a. It's a classic thing. I have out of my head right now. Where you think you become something by eating something of like that. Mm. Like ginseng looks like a, a dude with a thing, so you're going to become a dude with a thing if you eat it, or like you know, yeah, what's that called? That I can't, it's it's, a, it's like yeah. yeah anyway. There's Daniel Gritzer. Oh, Daniel Gritzer has come back. Came just in time. Came just in. Why don't you cut him some? Why don't you cut him some okay. non-stink first? I'll, I could use some more too. We're going to need to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I lost track of which salmon was which. Well, the one in the package well, that says gonna, Chinook yeah. is the Chinook, and the other one's a Coke. No, so. I mean, I think he means on the plate. Uh, on the plate, because uh, you were eating. The, the Chinook one was the one that was a little bit more briny. And I think the, yeah. the fatty might have been whether it was the top or the bottom. The, the belly side was a little bit fattier than the, than the top. I think you're a little more briny. Okay. Daniel, you're just in time, my brother. Pull up this uh, weird white chair. You don't get a cushy seat because you're late. How about that? <clears throat> okay. Daniel Gritzer from Serious Eats. So we have now uh, the like uh, brains here. Of co- oh, by the way, uh, Cocktail Kingdom, Popular Science, Serious Eats, and then like the two jokers from Cooking Issues here to tell. We have a five heads are clearly better than uh, none for uh, tasting this uh, stuff. You want to you want to taste this stuff before we crack open the hot girl? Yeah, this looks like salmon. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Looks are not deceiving. This is a so. This is the Chinook, and this is the Coho. Chinook and Coho. Wow, that looks tasty. Same, same river, same smoking process, and take from the same piece. Take the same piece as you go down, like belly versus belly. So you have to test versus that piece. Oh, and okay. you need to shotgun. Nice. All right. No, I still like. I mean, actually, called it. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm eating on the air. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Drum roll. Open the hot girl. Oh, let's, uh, I think we need to immortalize this. You want to open this right under Dave's nose? Oh, Jesus. It's already popped. Ek the hot girl. It's only 100 grams uh, net. We could pound this. Paul, Paul. Oh, oh, it's, it gets got on me. <clears throat> oh, jeez, I hate these plastic containers. All right. That's nothing. That smells like that's nothing. People, people out there, Gordon Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay, I'm calling you out. You are a sissy. Isn't this what he? This is what he ate and he puked. You were a pretty <laughs> mild. You were a freaking sissy. Yeah, I, I figured. I you know, if, if anyone can take it, it would be us. You know, the I mean, number of times we clean down stuff at the end of the night using uh, just a Windex, it's like ammonia city. I'm yeah, sure. it's just ammonia. It's not. It's not death. Like surstroming is the smell. You're smelling your own decay and rot. <laughs> You're smelling like liquefied version of that dude on the subway who clears out the subway. You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're like this, this stuff that's kind of dripping like from him. Like that is what you uh, get from surstroming with an additional note of some other nastiness plus ammonia, plus ammonia, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, this just smells like you spilled a little ammonia on your on your fish. Let's pass this around. Let's get our impressions. It's also supposed to have plenty of urea. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. So, listen. Well, we can't do a break. Know, We're about to taste it. We'll do a break in a minute. We'll come. What we'll do is we'll do a tasting, and then we'll go do a break, and we'll come back. But I am, I am telling you that anyone who's it to say a bunch of people said this is the worst thing they've ever eaten, right? Uh, Anthony Bourdain said it was the worst thing he's really? had. Hey, listen, uh, I've met that guy. He didn't seem like a sis. <laughs> Did his sister try it? Maybe that's delicious. who tried it. <laughs> Anthonina Bourdain, or or what is it called? Uh, like uh, Tony Reichel. What's his like oh, mashup? Yeah. 
Don knows. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Ruth Reichel, uh, Anthony Bourdain. I yeah. can't remember. It's a Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying... That, first of all, obviously men don't have a stronger constitution than women do, but I just like calling people sissies. Right? That's right. okay. That's fair, right? Totally. All right, take a piece, everyone. And then we're going to sears all it to see what that does to the ammonia because ammonia is volatile. And then we also have some lemon here to see whether we can uh, cut some of the stuff with the lemon. But I don't even think it's going to need it. Yep. No. Oh, I mean, this... I eat stinkier stuff than this on a regular basis. Eat. That tastes good. That tastes good. It's kind of salty. Totally. Very chewy. Mm-hmm. All right, you're all, you're all, you're yeah. all, you're all complete wusses. Like I mean, I, good as good as stretching it. That's <laughs> <laughs> got a good. I would say it tastes good. Yeah, it's got a good texture. It's got a little I ammonia. I acquired the taste. Here, here, give me a, give me a, give me a fork and let's put the sears all together. Here, hand me the sears all. Well, we should. Take a break now. Like All right, let's take a break, good. and we'll come back with some more uh, hackerel issues here on cooking issues. <laughs> the following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edward's Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edward's name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hi, how are you? My name is Andrew WK. They say when things are very delicious, it must be Heritage Radio. Wait, we have Andrew WK on uh, as our, one of our people saying stuff? For some reason, he really likes food. Come on, really? Yeah. Does that mean he's going to allow us to say, uh, he's going to allow us to play party hard? I don't know. Oh my God, that's awesome. You, you, don't, you know him, right? You know who he is. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate that. My son loves, Dax, loves the show that he had on Cartoon Network called Destroy, Build, Destroy, where, like, teams of, like, usually a parent versus, like, it's usually, like, it can be jocks versus uh, cheerleaders or parents versus sons or whatever, parents versus kids, and they, they blow up a bunch of crap, and then they recombine it and do challenges with the recombined stuff. But, like, everyone hated it because they're like, it's not a cartoon, and I can't wrap my head around Cartoon Network doing something that's not a cartoon. People are weird. People weird. are weird. Okay, look. So I got some hot girl here, and I got, uh, what's this called? A Searsall. And uh, here we go. I'm going to try to... Searsall. Technical difficulty. So it's toasting up nice. All right. Shark is not a fatty fish. No, not at all. Well, that looks lovely. Well, taste it then. Whoa. You don't want the first bite? No, I mean, I look, you know, host, host, host with most. One. Yeah, all right. So uh, what do you think? Time. Better or worse, same? Maybe better. Better? I like it better. Yeah. You get a little more texture on that? Or? Well, the, 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 you know, like I say, ammonia is quite volatile, so I should be able to drive off at least a lot of the ammonia that's on the surface just by uh, crisping up a little bit. 
is done the trying oh, this actually is, well just to give the uh, the listeners what uh, what I'm looking at here it is uh, slightly bubbling on the outside so some of the oil, the oil has come to the surface a little light charring on the sides it looks delicious so let's, let's give it a try oh, yeah no noticeable ammonia on the outside it has the smell of cooked fish yeah for, it for looks sort of like a there. chunk of pork <laughs> belly from here yeah yeah, yeah the the ammonia is a little more tame and you have yeah you don't have that also that sort of that cured it's not quite a raw fish texture, but it's, it's somewhere between round cooked when you don't when it wasn't searsalt, and here it's got a full on cooked yeah. texture. And by the way, the searsalt living up to its name and uh, searing all. <laughs> Stas, what did you think of the first piece you had? Did you like it or no? No, I didn't like it. Did you hate it or just not like no, it? No, I just didn't like it. All right, so you try this one. Wait, no, let Paul do it. Paul loves it. He, but he, like, Paul and I have to use the, the fork last because we're a little bit sick. Oh. Really? There's, there's more forks. There's more forks? Yeah. All right, here. Paul. Here. No, wow. you use my fork. Yeah. This is my fork. Here, Paul, you talk while I sear. Hakarl is chewy enough that you can't take a bite off a piece. You have to put the whole piece in your mouth, so I'm letting it cool a little bit. Now, are both these identical ones? Smells toasted? Uh, yes, they're both uh, two containers. Paul wants to take one home. Oh, they're telling us to wrap it up. What? They're telling us to wrap it up. No. Alright, hold on a second. we got to share one more piece for Nastasha, one for me. You want to sell what else we're eating here? Yeah, what's the bread, Don? Yeah, we have some uh, Finnish rye crisps and some uh, just some German uh, rye bread. It's just what I could find locally. Here, cut the cut the lemon and see what the lemon does. And Paul, we'll have to do simultaneous testing because they're cutting us off. And the ketchup show. When's the ketchup show, Stas? The ketchup show we can we can pre-record on. Yeah, but when is it going to be? So people know when to expect it. Uh, next week. We're going to do it next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, here, let me have one of those. Uh, what are those? What are they? What do they call these? Oh, it's not like a specialized landic crisp. It's like yeah. the standard kind of rye crisp. It's a Finn crisp from Finland. Finns, the Finns. All right, listen. Uh, this has been uh, Stinky Fish. We're here to report from Stinky Fishland that uh, it's it's not the it's not the not uh, as stinky as advertised. Not yeah. not as stinky as advertised. So if anyone there is from Iceland, if anyone can hear our voices and you're from Iceland, I'm calling you out. Like <laughs> this stuff is is completely tolerable. Uh, I don't know what the heck you guys are, are, are you know complaining about or thinking that you have some sort of like you know I, like a hardcore poise is as ammoniated as this if it's gone over the hill and I'll eat that anyway because I've already spent the money even though I know it's not supposed to necessarily be that way. Yep. And, uh, and so that's what I'm going to say about that. What's the where, where country is it? Is it is it uh, Greenland or Iceland that has the seal stuffed with puffins? I didn't see any steel, seal stuff with puffin. I saw seal and puffin. Uh, I did eat, I think, 12 animals in one day uh, while driving around Iceland. So. I like that. How was the puffin? Puffin uh, was uh, had great puffin and had terrible puffin. Uh, but puffin was a lot better than whale. The smoked puffin was delicious. I wish they, they sold a puffin jerky. That'd be great. Really? Yeah, I wish they did. Tell me, what does puffin taste like? Uh, it, it began, it was just like a, almost like a... Uh, uh, like a Duck jerky. It was uh, had that kind of uh, that gaminess that duck has. Not quite like a like a white meat uh, chicken, but uh, it was it was delicious. You know, it tasted like puffin. It, it doesn't was, taste fishy. It did not taste fishy at all. What about the bad puffin? The bad puffin was just uh, it wasn't uh, smoked long enough, so it was just kind of squishy in the center. It didn't have that that smoke flavor all the way through. It just looked like a bad smoking. So it was poorly prepared. Exactly. It, was, it wasn't poorly. the puffin that was bad. It right. was the cook. I blame the chef. Yeah, as usual, it's usually usually that's the that's the way. Okay, so listen, thank so you. Let's give a shout out to John Raper again. Uh, yeah, okay. I was about to say that. You made me look like I was going to forget. 
Thanks to John Riper for the delicious uh, Chinook and Coho salmon. It's delicious. We will eat more of that uh, at the lunchtime here. Thanks to uh, Don for bringing uh, this uh, hawk roll to us and showing that um, it's not as difficult to consume as people make it out to be. Although, if you're from Iceland and you and you think that the uh, Ekta brand is somehow less uh, hardcore than some brand that you have in you know buried in your in your backyard somewhere, then fine, we'll try your backyard buried <laughs> hot girl if you can get it to us. And I'm sure we'll get the same crew back to taste it. Thanks to Paul coming in. Uh, thanks to uh, Daniel Gritzer. And this has been Cooking Issues. <laughs> listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org heritage radio network is a 501c3 nonprofit. to donate and become a member visit our website today thanks for listening